42nd and 43rd Psalm shall be our text today, and I invite you to turn to those psalms. They are really one psalm. Now, they're divided into um, two, but it's just one psalm. So it would be 42nd Psalm. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for Thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help, for the help of His presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember Thee from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of Thy waterfalls. All Thy breakers and Thy waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why hast thou forsaken me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a scattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and the unjust man, for Thou art the God of my strength. Why hast Thou rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out Thy light and Thy truth, let them lead me. Let them bring me to the holy hill and to Thy dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God my exceeding joy, and upon the lyre I shall praise Thee, O God, my God. Why are You in despair, O my soul, and why are You disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. Ten years ago in the small um, uh, airport in Yolubbuck, Texas, you had to go out onto the runway to board the airplane. And one morning I was making a trip to the northwest, and it was one of those uh, typical West Texas days. The wind was blowing about uh, 50 miles an hour straight out of the west, and we were going across the runway to board our plane, and the guy in front of me had an attache case. And just about middle of the runway, halfway from the terminal to the uh, airplane, that thing came open. And papers blew everywhere, I mean all across that runway in just a split second. And out of that man's mouth came something I was surprised to hear. He said, well, I'll just praise the Lord anyway. Sometimes we're so overwhelmed with the goodness and the greatness of God that our praise to Him just comes from the deep welling up. But sometimes our soul is disquieted and cast down within us, and so praise is difficult to come by 
It may help you to know this morning that even the people of God get discouraged. If I call the name of Elijah, some of you would remember that fiery prophet who in the power of God called down fire to consume an altar and rout a pagan nation. And some of you will not know that he was a man so depressed that he made a journey out to Beersheba down in the desert. And some of us can see him there this morning and identify with him as he sits under the shade of a juniper bush and is so discouraged he asked God to kill him. And the psalmist talks about being in the pit. You and I have been there. And he talks about being so engulfed in darkness that the discouragement and the depression was such a heavy weight upon him, he thought his bones would break. I tell you, sometimes it's hard to praise God. Sometimes the words of praise lodge in our throats. And sometimes we feel more anger toward God than we feel praise. How do you praise God when you've just lost your job? Or when the security of your family seems to be threatened? Or when a good friend is desperately ill or dies? And how do you praise God when you've just lost your health? The author of the 42nd and 43rd Psalm, which is really one psalm, wanted to praise the Lord, but he found it hard to do so. Three times he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the God of my rock and my salvation. What do you do when it's difficult to praise the Lord? I mean, what do you do when the words lodge in your throat that you want to say but can't? And what do you do when you find it when you just don't feel like praising Him? Well, you go ahead and you praise Him anyway. Sometimes we, our praise is weak when we try to praise Him. But we must go ahead and praise Him the best we can. And you say, well, that would be hypocritical. No, it would be obedient. Someone said, if you can't pray as you ought, then pray as you can. If you can't praise God like you think you ought to, then you go ahead and praise Him the best you can. You go ahead and do the best job you can with it. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, Hebrews 13, 15 gives us a clue. And the author of that verse says, And by Him, that is Jesus, I will offer to God the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of my lips. Now, what is the sacrifice of praise? Well, a sacrifice demands a death. In the Old Testament ritual, a sacrifice required the death of an animal or a bird. But in the sacrifice of praise, it requires the death of the personal ego. It means that a man must put to death his own opinions and his own judgments and his own evaluations of whether a thing or a situation is good or bad. And he just must praise God always for all things including the good and the bad and the indifferent. I suppose every one of us has at some time or another, maybe now, right now, where, where you are as you listen to this, we've all been in situations and in circumstances which, according to our judgment, seem tragic and unfortunate and even calamitous. 
And as we look upon these situations or things, we can see nothing in them but evil and bad, nothing good in them. And it is humanly possible for us to find anything in them that would be beneficial at all. It is precisely at that moment that we offer the sacrifice of praise. For when everything seems to be going wrong and everything is coming loose and the wheels are coming off and everything is dark, it is only then that a person can put to death his own opinions and evaluations and judgments and choices. A woman came to Ron Dunn, her pastor, and said, My daughter has just run away from home and I need some help. And he said, Well, the first thing we need to do is to get down on our knees. She thought he was going to say and pray for God to bring her back. He said, The first thing we need to do is to get down here and pray and praise God for this situation. And she said, What did you say? And he said, we need to get down and just praise God for this situation. For it is only in a situation like this that we can offer to God the sacrifice of praise and faith as we sacrifice, as we put to death our own judgment about whether the thing is good or evil. To the psalmist, these circumstances of his life did not encourage praise, but the nature of God did. These circumstances in which he was in were, were tragic and unfortunate. He was discouraged and depressed. He was the victim of deceitful and unjust men. And probably because of his enemies, he was away from home because he talks about being in the Jordan near Mount Hermon. And he was discouraged and lonely and homesick. And his heart thirsted for God and he longed for that spiritual satisfaction but he felt only and tasted only the salty tears running out of his eyes into his mouth. And he was separated from the temple, his accustomed place of worship. And he felt like a man in heavy waves with every wave sweeping over him, one right after another. And the people around him taunted him. And they said, your God has abandoned you. And they said, where now is your God? It certainly wasn't the circumstance that caused him to praise. It was when he remembered the nature of God. McLaren said, it is hands that have been pierced that move the wheels of history and mold the circumstances that shape our lives. What molds the circumstances of my daily lives? Hands that were pierced, I tell you, almighty love molds the circumstances of your life and mine. Almighty love takes the bad experiences of our life and shapes them into something good. That's His promise. In 1982, in the Christian century, a woman by the name of Gloria Maxson wrote a small article Gloria Maxson was blind from her childhood and now at middle age was suffering from polio and arthritis. And this is what she said, I will never willingly relinquish a life that contains my husband, family, friends, a home, lobster thermidor, must be some kind of food, and music. Perhaps I've just compensated, as an atheistic college friend used to tell me. My reply is, yes, I have compensated. Christ is my compensation. 
For just as in my blinded childhood I developed the facial perception that set every hair vibrating when someone was near, so now my nerve ends vibrate with the sense of that presence who stands near but outside my harsh circumstances and molds them into coherence and beauty. Oh, what a word! And my nerve ends this morning since that holy presence who stands outside our circumstances and shapes them into something coherent and beautiful. And I want to praise Him anyway. What do you do when it's difficult to praise? You praise Him anyway. And you remember the past. The psalmist did. He said, My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember thee in the Jordan and near the Mount of Hermon. Doubtless he remembered God's blessing upon his life in the past. Doubtless he reflected on the times God made his love known to him in the past. Doubtless he remembered how God had demonstrated his mighty power to him in the past. And if you look in verse 4 of Psalm 42, he said, I remember when I used to go in throngs and lead them to the house of God, a great procession of people in festival. And he thought of the past. I know what you're thinking. You're saying right now, well, if I go remember those happy scenes of yesterday, it just makes matters worse. It hurts me when I recall what I have lost. That's probably true at the first. But if you practice remembering what God has done in the past, in blessing of your life, if you practice that every day in gratitude, in the deepest part of your being, God will open up channels of praise. And so as I prepared this sermon, I took a mental journey back to the past. I went to the little church in West Texas where I first found the Lord just like it was then. Oh, it's been remodeled a little bit inside. And I remember the hours that I spent in Sunday school and training union and royal ambassadors and Bible school. And I walked down that aisle in my mind when I first received the Lord. I remembered that as I worked on this sermon. And mentally I stood in the pulpit and preached my first sermon again. I was so emotional, emotional I cried through the whole sermon. And I tried to remember those faces that I knew were there. Most of those dear saints of God have gone to the Father's house. And I took a sentimental journey back to Roby, Texas, near Abilene, to the little church on a cold January drizzly morning. I drove up in front of that little church with my wife. I was 19 years old. I was going to preach my trial sermon to be the pastor of those people. I wondered if anybody's going to ever show up. Eleven people did. I thought it was the greatest church in the world, and it was. And in my mind, I made those mental trips back to West Texas to the churches that God called me to pastor in. Then I went to the Northwest and stood in some of those churches that I was privileged to farm and, and dedicate to God in Canada and in Washington and Oregon. And I remember the first day I drove into Durant, coming out of the city, pastoring a city church. I was so 
hungry for some deep interpersonal relationships that you only get in a small town. And I remember the joy I felt as I drove down Highway 70 down into downtown Main Street and I felt the joy of coming home and you've just been what I've needed. And my life has not all been happiness and smiles. There have been tears and there have been some disappointments and some heartaches. But God has been so good to me and as I remember the past, I want to praise Him. And sometimes it helps to remember what God has done for others. That's why the Jews celebrate the Passover. Did you know that? because it commemorates the deliverance of their ancestors from Egyptian bondage and reminds them that God can still save. And as they gather together on the Passover, the greatest time of Jewish celebration, they remember what God has done to others. And that's one reason we read the Bible. You can read it from cover to cover and find joy in it because it describes how this gracious God of ours has acted in redeeming love to others in the past and that gives us great cause for praise. I was going through the waiting room of a large hospital in West Texas and I heard her call my name. And I turned around to see a woman sitting over to the side. I didn't even recognize her. She was haggard and disheveled and, and terribly dressed. When I went over to speak to her, I found to my amazement that she was an old family friend. I hadn't seen her in several years, but I knew that Margaret had lost her husband about a year before, close family friends. And she told me how that on the week of her husband's death, her only child, Barbara, left with a hippie group to California and she hadn't seen, had not seen or heard from her since. And she said, I lost my reason to live. And she said, every morning to get up and try to live is, a, is, a, is an experience that requires every ounce of my energy. I just don't want to live. And I tried to share with her about Christ and His strength to help her and remind her of God's grace, which she already knew about. About ten months after that, I was asked to fly to Dallas and perform the wedding of her niece. And it was a large, one of these large celebrations. He, she was marrying a, a, the old Scotchman, McClendon, who owns half of Dallas, I think. And they married out in this resort. And I went out there, and there she was, totally different. She was hopeful and happy and vibrant and effervescent and alive. And she talked with me about how that after our conversation, she began to seek out God's purpose and God's comfort for her life. And she found strength in the Lord. And He had transformed her daily life. And everything was great and everything was exciting. She's recently married and living a beautiful life, Wichita Falls, Texas. And when I think about what God has done for others, I want to praise Him. And sometimes it helps us just to go back to those happy scenes of yesterday and the blessing of God in the past to us and to others. And when we do that, we find occasion for praise. What do you do when it's difficult to praise Him? You praise Him anyway. You remember the past. You make preparation for future praise. You know, sometimes we just have to admit to God, you know, I can't praise you today. I, I'm too weak to praise you. 
I, I want to, the doxology is, is here, and, and it gets just about here, but I just can't. I'm so weak emotionally and spiritually, I can't even think clearly upon your greatness and goodness. Just tell him that. He won't condemn you. Sometimes the greatest thing we can do is just to admit to God, I shall again praise you. I may not do it today, I may not can do it tomorrow or next week, but one day I shall again praise you. That's what the psalmist said. And in soliloquy he said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. And hope is the belief that something can be received or something can be obtained. And because he believed in God, he knew in the deepest level of his being that he would one day praise God again. It's not always going to be like this. We're not always going to feel like this. It's not always going to happen like this. I shall again praise you. And so the psalmist just kind of imagined himself going into the temple again. And if you'll look at the 43rd Psalm, beginning at verse 3, he said, One of these days I'm going to the temple again, and I'm going down to the altar again, and with the lyre and the harp I'm going to praise God again. No situation is hopeless. I tell you, you can stand in any situation, any circumstance this morning. And because of your faith in God, you can say, the final chapter has not been written on my life. My story will not end in tragedy. I will praise God again someday. J.D. Huey was the uh, director of Foreign Mission Board work in Europe and in Asia, in uh, Southeast Asia. And he retired recently and he became, was going to become a professor of one of our seminaries over in Europe. And he found out he has terminal cancer. He wrote an article, he preached a sermon, he wrote an article in the Baptist program. He told that a lady wrote him a letter when he was struggling and all of these tragedies that were going on in his life. Not just his loss of health, but the loss of his daughter. And she wrote this letter. I want you to hear it. Having experienced great travail and suffering because of the emotional breakdown of our daughter, I think I know something of the sorrow of your hearts and something of the questions and emotions that grip you. My own sorrows and concerns remain through several years. Indeed, much remains today, though God has answered prayer with miracles. On the blackest night of my life, as we were en route home with our daughter from Louisville's Our Lady of Peace Hospital in a motel room, I found a sentence in Upper Room Magazine which I want to share with you. Quote, are you listening? Real profanity for the Christian is to declare any situation hopeless. I will praise him again. I may not can do it today, and I may not feel like it tomorrow, but I'm going to praise Him again. Now, not every story has a happy ending. There are some stories that do not, and I'm not going to be a Pollyanna and suggest that every story has a happy ending. Some do not. What do we do about those stories that do not have a happy ending? Well, we ask God to glorify Himself in them as He can. 
You know, sometimes the bad experiences of our life, God can use to reveal Himself more to us and to others than any other kind. With this, I quit. Mickey Warlick was an all-state football player in Seminole, Texas. He was a handsome young man. And when he got out of high school, he was courted by all of the Southwest Conference schools, but he felt God calling him to preach, and he chose to go to Howard Payne University and study to be a preacher in a small university, play football there. Upon his graduation from college, he, he, be, he, he entered full-time evangelism. He was a great preacher. After about six or eight years as a full-time evangelist, he felt God calling him into the pastoral ministry, and he became a pastor in Midland, Texas. Driving down the street one day, he pulled up at a stop sign, and he looked, and the top part of the stop sign was over here, and the post was over there. And he looked at the buildings, and the buildings were separated so that the top part of the building was here, the bottom part was over here. And he just kind of cleared his head. He knew he'd been studying and under a lot of pressure. He just kind of went on and, and that, those kinds of things went away for a while. Then he began to have severe headaches. And he went to a neurologist and the diagnosis was a malignant tumor on the brain. He suffered three operations and the experience of that. People all over this country, all over the, the South were praying for his recovery, praying that God would heal him. Surely God would heal a man who has faith. Surely God will heal a man who is committed to the ministry. And he, begot, he began to progress, progressively get worse. He came to Hobbs, New Mexico, and I was pastoring Seminole. I pastored his mother and daddy and his wife's mother and father. And I, because of the time deferential, I'd preach on Sunday morning. I'd get in my car and I'd buzz over to Hobbs and I'd preach for him an hour. It was an hour earlier there. He came back to Seminole to die near his mom and his dad and his wife's parents. And as we'd share in the time of his coherence, this is what he'd say. He'd say, I'm just praising God for my cancer. <laughs> I remember what Amy Carmichael said when she said, the eternal essence of a situation is not the thing of the situation, but our response to it. Then she said, I'm richly blessed with cancer. And Watchman Nee said, no man will ever learn anything new about God except through adversity. And he'd say, I'm just praising God for my problem. And then he said, I want God to get glory out of my life, whether by living or by dying. That's all I want. And he came home to die. I'd go to his mother's house where he stayed, living with his mother and dad, his wife and two children. He'd be sitting in the den, these latter stages, and he'd just be talking, you know, and I'd be sitting there, and I think he's talking to me, and directly I'd realize he wasn't talking to me. And, and his wife would say, he's just talking to the Lord. And she said, he's just practicing up on what he's going to do when he gets to heaven. And when I would leave, I would hear the psalmist say, I will yet praise you. And I preached his funeral. It was a bigger crowd than is in this place this morning. His funeral, standing room only. There were 15 preachers at that funeral. And I took my text from Philippians chapter 1 and the 
And the Apostle Paul said, What is foremost the hunger of my life is that God would be glorified, whether by life or by death. And I heard the psalmist say again, I shall yet praise you. Ill that he blesses is our good, and unblessed good is ill. And all is right that seems so wrong if it is his sweet will. How do you praise Him when it's difficult? You just praise Him anyway. And you remember the past, how God has been so good in your life. Have you ever been hungry? Some of you are now, but I mean real hungry. Have you ever gone without work? Have your children ever experienced tragedy? God has been so good to you. And if you can't find it in your heart to find anything good that God has done for you, then just remember what God has done for others and you'll find reason to praise Him. And if you can't praise Him today, then you get ready to praise Him tomorrow. Let's pray together. My Heavenly Father, I want to praise You this morning. Out of the depth of my being there flows the doxology of praise. I bless you, God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, O blessed Trinity, I want to praise you. I want to sacrifice, the off, offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, yea, the fruit of my mouth. I want to remember the goodness of God in the land. I want to say to you, Father, I shall yet praise you. And Father, I pray that the life that I live, the decision that I make, the commitments that I make, shall indeed exalt you and glorify you and esteem you and prize you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Now these are our invitations. Would you look here quickly? The first invitation, and these, are in, these invitations are simultaneous. first invitation we extend this morning is for you to come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I tell you, we will praise God this morning in this congregation. We'll join the angels singing if you come to be saved. And God will get praise and He will get glory if you come to be saved. And the greatest sacrifice of praise you can offer is the offer of your life to God. Would you come to receive Him? We're going to rejoice because we think you will. The second invitation this morning is for you to come and place your life in the church. If the Holy Spirit knew of any way for God's purposes to be accomplished in the world other than through the church, He would have told us. And He didn't. Come and place your life with us. And when you come, your friends will praise the Lord in seeing you come because they'll know you've come under the leadership of God to place your life here. The third invitation is for you to come and rededicate yourself to Christ.
Perhaps you've followed afar off. And from your heart has been resentment and anger and bitterness. And you want to praise Him again. You want the joy to return. You want to come, like the psalmist said, to the altar with a lyre and a harp to praise Him again. Come to say, I want to bring my life back in line with a promise I made years ago. Many of you are going to come. I can't wait to see you come. We're going to do it right now while we stand and sing. You come.